Good morning to everyone. My name is Tim Harris. I'm pastor at Woodburn Baptist Church. Welcome to you. Good to have you with us. Open your Bibles to the book of Revelation, chapter 21. Do open your Bibles. Find a Bible. Uh, if the person next to you is already asleep, take the Bible off their lap and bring it right into your lap and a turn with me. Take out a pen or a pencil if you would too. I'd like you to do some underlining today as we look into this, uh, this chapter of Revelation, chapter 21, the very last book in the New Testament. I've had heaven on my mind this week. Uh, it may have something to do with the funeral that I preached. Uh, Melissa Wheeler's grandmother, 90-year-old woman uh, who loved the Lord uh, with her whole life and we know is, is in heaven with him. Uh, maybe it's something to do with that. I, I, I don't know. It's strange. I'm 45 years old. I've grown up in the South and grown up in Baptist churches. And I just remember a time, it seems, when people talked and thought and sang and preached a lot more about heaven. Uh, growing up, I was in a church. Of course, there were a lot of older folks in those days. And the church I grew up in had a lot of people who would come through the Depression. And I don't know, those folks who had been through really, really hard times, they were different. And they looked at this life differently, and they certainly looked at the life to come differently. Maybe it's something about a depression. Maybe something about losing your job or losing your house or losing nearly everything that you suddenly realize that, that this world is really not your home. Maybe you really start to realize that certainly you were created for something better. I don't know, but it seems like with every funeral I preach of an older person, a person who has learned to think like that, there are fewer and fewer people around left who, uh, who think much about heaven. We're just different. My generation, your generation, we're, we're, we're different. We have so much. We have iPads and, and, and iPods and we have cars and big screen televisions and we're going to eat out at restaurants probably six times this week, some of you. And it's just amazing how our lives are. Our grandparents couldn't have imagined the kind of life we lead. And maybe the fact that our lives are so comfortable and for the most part very prosperous, maybe that's why we've just stopped thinking about something better. Because honestly, some of you... It's like heaven on earth in your life. It really is. You have it very, very good. But I don't know. As a pastor, I have been privileged to be with some of the saints of this church who have died. And in those moments, it's amazing. I remember Lloyd Gregory, a great friend of mine and a great man in our church. Lloyd died. And shortly before he died, he started talking a lot about heaven and a lot about Jesus. And he used to say to me, he would go, man, I'm going to see Jesus. He used to say that. And I would get so jealous listening to him because he was longing, longing to see Jesus. That longing is not something that many of us live with. Evelyn Balance, one of our ladies, was dying. And Evelyn talked about seeing in the distance trees loaded down with fruit. And then her last words, uh, some of her last words were to everybody else. She said, and all of you are going to come with me. Amazing. I don't know how much you think about heaven, but I'd like to turn your thoughts that direction today. In Revelation chapter 21, this is amazing scripture, and it is the word of God. And I know Revelation, sometimes people become afraid of this book. You, you think it's strange. You think the language is so bizarre and visions, and it's just hard to understand. It's not intended to be hard to understand. Don't make it hard to understand. Just read and listen 
and understand that, that the, the, the apostle at this moment is trying to describe something that words can't describe, trying to describe what God has prepared for his people and eyes haven't seen it and words can't describe it. And so the words of scripture here, these ordinary words begin to, to groan and bend and break under the weight of what they're trying to describe, but it's so good. Uh, listen with me in Revelation chapter 21. Verses 1 through 8, and then I'm going to skip down to verse 22. As you listen, I want you to pay attention for 12 things, 12 things that will not be in heaven, will not be in eternity with us. Or 12 things, underline those as you get to them, and we'll go over them together uh, in the sermon today. Revelation chapter 21, verse 1. Listen. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the old heaven and the old earth had disappeared. <laughs> disappeared. Did you hear that? Disappeared. And the sea was also gone. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven like a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, Look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are, say the words, gone forever. And the one sitting on the throne said, look, I am making everything new. And then he said to me, write this down, for what I tell you is trustworthy and true. And he also said, it's finished I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To all who are thirsty, I will give freely from the springs of the water of life. All who are victorious will inherit all these blessings, and I will be their God, and they will be my children. But cowards, unbelievers, the corrupt, murderers, the immoral, those who practice witchcraft, idol worshipers, and all liars... Their fate is in the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. Verse 22. I saw no temple in the city, for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. And the city has no need of sun or moon, for the glory of God illuminates the city, and the Lamb is its light. The nations will walk in its light, and the kings of the world will enter the city in all their glory its gates will never be closed at the end of day because there is no night there. And all the nations will bring their glory and honor into the city. Nothing evil will be allowed to enter, nor anyone who practices shameful idolatry and dishonesty, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. One of the greatest female athletes of last century was a woman named Florence Chadwick. Florence Chadwick, have you ever heard of her? She was a swimmer, an amazing swimmer. The first woman ever to swim the English Channel, and she swam it both ways just to prove that she could. She's amazing. She was from California, and one of the things that she wanted to do was swim the distance from Catalina Island to the shore of California, and she decided to do that one day, 1952. She was going to swim from Catalina Island to, to the shore of California. That's 26 miles. Unbelievable. 
So she started out. She had boats on either side of her. The boats were there for her protection. Uh, among other things, the waters there are very shark infested, and they were protecting her from sharks. But also, this is a, an amazing feat, and there was the possibility she would have to stop, and the boats would take her in. Florence was swimming between those boats, and the water was cold, but she was doing fine. She swam for something like 15 hours, and then the fog set in, a very, very dense fog. It was so foggy that Florence could no longer see the boats, which were really just literally right there on either side. She could no longer even see the boats. She could see nothing but fog, and honestly, the fog began to kind of mess with her thinking. The fog got in her head, and she just began to panic. She started thinking about the fog, and she was becoming very, very weary, swimming now for 15 hours in shark-infested waters, and the cold was beginning to get to her. And she started to say, I, I quit. I, I can't finish. I I'm finished. Please, please let me in the boat. But Florence's mother was in the boat, among others. Florence's mother was in a boat. And her mother starts saying, Florence, no, don't quit. You don't want to quit. You, you can't stop. You're almost there. Don't think about the fog. Don't think about the cold. Don't think about the sharks. Just swim, Florence. Swim. You're almost there. Florence continued to swim. She swam and she swam. But honestly, it was the fog. The fog was just so thick. And she'd been swimming now for hours and hours and hours. And finally, she just stopped. She just stopped swimming in the water, just stopped. And they reached down and lifted her into the boat. Once in the boat, they took her on to California to the shore. And that's when she realized that she was less than half a mile, less than half a mile from the shore. They interviewed her back in those days shortly after that, that, that horrible failure. They asked Florence what it was like to swim like that for 15 hours, to swim and cover nearly 26 miles and stop so close to your goal. And Florence said this. She said, it was the fog. She said, if I could have only seen the shore, if I could have just seen the shore. And that sounds like this life to me. In this life, all we can see is the fog. All we can see is the fog of it. And honestly, sometimes it gets to us. The, the fog of this life, I mean the trouble of it. It's hard because I know that some of you are doing quite well in this life. Some of you are very, very prosperous. You drive nice cars. The, the economic troubles that others are having really aren't affecting you. You have a nice house and you love your family and you're able to do and buy and have nearly anything that you want. And so for you, when I talk about the fog of this life, you just don't understand that. You don't relate to that, but some do. And honestly, any one of us, if we live long enough, we're eventually going to understand what I'm speaking of, what the scriptures speak of. This life is full of trouble. It's full of trouble. And the things that satisfy you today, they will not satisfy you forever. They're not able to. They never were meant to. Everything in this life is temporary. It all passes away. And it's very hard for us, especially when we're young and when we have our health, it's very difficult to relate to that fundamental fact of the universe. Everything passes away. It all passes away. And the fog of this life sometimes it interrupts our vision. It doesn't let us see and it doesn't let us comprehend the, the fact of our lives and where it all leads. 
when John was writing the book of Revelation, understand a few things about the fog of his life. John writes this. He receives this heavenly vision in a very hellish place. John was in prison. He was in exile on an island called Patmos. He was in prison because he was a preacher. For no crime other than the simple fact that John preached the word of God and John believed in the name of Jesus and that was enough in the Roman Empire to land him in exile, separated, alone, on an island. That's where he gets this vision. And he gets this vision and the Holy Spirit says, write it down. And he addresses it to seven different churches in Asia Minor of his day. Seven different groups of people, all of them Christians, and all of them receiving this revelation, this letter, these visions for the very first time. But you've got to think about their lives. Think about the fog of their lives. They were Christians in the Roman Empire that was just beginning to persecute them, to arrest them. Their lives were beginning to come into danger for no other reason other than the fact that they were Christians. The discouragement was beginning to settle in, the fear. Some are beginning to abandon the faith. Pastors like John being dragged off and in prison. And in this fog, this vision, this, this strikingly beautiful vision of heaven comes through to the Apostle John and he writes it down. It, it, it's a picture of heaven. It's a picture of a, of a better place that they had no eyes to see. I imagine that this kind of description, this kind of vision must have made their hearts break with longing. It must have sounded so good. Which makes me wonder why heaven doesn't always seem to sound so good to people like us these days. In the older days, in older generations, people seemed to long for heaven, and they thought a lot about heaven. And the ladies would sing the songs like we sang this morning, when the roll is called up yonder, when we all get to heaven, and the tears would roll. These were people who really longed for that place and really thought about being there. But, but honestly, a lot of us don't. I can see by the look on your faces as you were singing this morning, yeah, I'm not sure you were longing for heaven. I'm not even sure you wanted to be here. Do you understand? This doesn't capture us in the same way. And my hunch is it's because our picture of heaven, our idea of heaven is very inadequate. I have this feeling that you and I just don't know how to think about heaven. And whatever comes into your mind when you hear the word, it's probably a very, very lame vision, a very lame picture. Very few people these days, I say very few people ever, have really caught on to the biblical picture of what heaven is like. Very few people really understand what God is preparing for us. I don't know what comes into your mind when I say heaven, but it might be something like this. So take a look at this picture here. If this is hanging over your couch, it's okay. It's okay if you love it. It's not that I don't like this painting. I just want us to look at it together for what it says and does not say about heaven. Now, for what it is, this picture, I guess, is, is pretty good. I think this picture does a good job of sort of depicting the love of Jesus for, for one of us, the love of Jesus for a soul. I, I think this picture does that well. And I promise you that when I die, that's going to be heaven for me. It's, it's not so much what's in heaven or where heaven is or whether or not we'll do things. It's all about Jesus. Wherever Jesus is, that's heaven. 
And I think this picture shows that well. And I know that when I die, I am going to be wrapped in his arms just like that. And that's going to be heaven. And for that much, I, I like the picture. I like it for that. But there's a whole lot about this picture that's just missing. It's part of this I, I just don't get. I would call this your typical fluffy cloud picture of heaven. It's a fluffy cloud picture of heaven, but it has nothing to do with any depiction of heaven in Scripture. This has a lot more to do with toilet paper commercials. Do you understand? This has nothing to do with the Bible, everything to do with our imaginations. And honestly, this is a very lame vision of heaven. Imagine being a six or seven year old kid in our congregation today looking at this. And imagine if I was saying, This is heaven, this is what heaven is like. What would kids think? Now, I grew up in a church like that, and I grew up seeing pictures of heaven like this. And I remember thinking certain things, and it worried me. I worried about heaven, I worried about the fluffy cloud heaven. Why would this be a little scary to a kid? If we're walking on clouds, What does that mean? I sort of worried I'd fall through. You ever think about it? You think it's supposed to be heaven and all of a sudden, ah, I mean, this is what I pictured. This is what I feared. I mean, think about it. They're walking on clouds. You can't do that. It's a fluffy cloud heaven. It has a lot more to do with toilet paper commercials, I'm telling you, than it does scripture. But somehow, this is where your mind goes. When you think of heaven, you think of this. You think of walking on clouds. You think of maybe having wings and a, and a halo. The Bible says nothing about that. At the cemetery this week, I looked down and I saw a tombstone. And it was a child's tombstone, which is always heartbreaking. But the tombstone had engraved on it the, the, the words that said, Heaven has another angel. Well, no, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. That's not biblical. When we die, when we go to heaven, we're not going to be angels. We're going to judge angels. We're going to be way, way better and bigger than angels. Don't you understand? That is not a biblical picture. You're not going to have wings. The Bible doesn't say you'll have wings or a little gold ring over your head. That's not heaven. That's toilet paper commercials. I'm telling you, it's toilet paper commercials. That's not heaven. The other thing about this picture, think about being a kid. Think about looking at this picture. What would you be thinking? I'm thinking, where is everybody? Hello, hello, hello. Where is everybody? I mean, I I love the idea of being embraced by Jesus. I love that. But again, think like a kid. Sooner or later, Jesus is going to have somewhere else to be. And then where will I be? Hello, hello, hello. There's nobody there. There's nothing there. For all eternity, what are you going to do? Stand on that cloud? Play your harp. Do you understand? This is the way a lot of adults, people like you and me, think of heaven. And it has nothing to do with the biblical picture. And it's no wonder that it's never captured your heart. No wonder that you can't get people very enthused about heaven these days. Our idea, our dream, the promise of heaven is ruined by lame imaginations like this. That's not heaven. That's not what Jesus is preparing for us. It's not going to be dull. It's not going to be bland. It's not going to be empty. Take a look at what the scriptures say. I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the old heaven and the old earth had disappeared, and there was no more sea. 
And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, say the words, coming down from God out of heaven like a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. Please don't miss this. This is the plainest truth. It's one of the plainest truths in Scripture, but almost nobody gets this. You need to get it. Do you understand that when we die at the end of everything, when we go into heaven for eternity, understand, heaven is not off somewhere in the clouds. Scripture never says that. That is not what the Bible teaches. Heaven for eternity is not off in the clouds somewhere. Heaven will be the place we spend with God, and God comes down. Heaven comes down to a renewed earth. I make all things new, he says, a new heaven and a new earth. And the heavenly Jerusalem, the city of God, it comes down. Heaven crashes into earth. That's the picture here. And we spend eternity with God on the new earth, on a brand new earth. It's going to be real, not walking around on fluffy clouds, brothers and sisters. It's going to be real, as real as the dirt in your backyard, as real as sky and water and trees. It's going to be real. It's going to be physical. It's going to be glorious. A new earth, a new heaven, not off in the clouds, not with robes and wings and halos and harps. Get the picture out of your mind. Get the biblical picture in your heart. It's way beyond anything you've ever imagined. Honestly, there just aren't any words. John gets a glimpse of it, but then he starts trying to describe it, and he uses all of the most beautiful things he can imagine, jewels and light and sparkling gold. But honestly, the words just begin to fall apart in his mouth. Words can't capture it. You can't describe what eyes have never seen, what words can never tell. No words for that. So notice that a lot of what John does in describing his vision is talk about the things that we do know, the things words can describe, and then he simply says, these are all the things that won't be there. And I count 12 things, and I'm not a very good counter, but I count 12 things that John says will have no place, no place in eternity, no place in where God has prepared for us. Start at the beginning with me. I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the old heaven, number one, and old earth had disappeared. I have lost books. I have lost car keys. I have lost my son at the grocery store before. I have lost all sorts of things. I've lost dogs. I've lost shoes. I've lost socks in the laundry. But I can't really imagine the earth being lost. The earth just disappeared. Can you explain that? The old heaven, the old earth, they just disappeared. Uh, where did they go? I, I know that some of you love the laws of physics, and you're saying that this just doesn't apply to the laws of physics, that this is impossible. You need to understand something. God doesn't have to follow laws of physics. And, and again, there's just no words to describe what John is trying to describe. The only thing we know about what happened to the heaven and the earth, the old one, the ones we know is that when God returns to judge, when God appears in all of his blazing beauty and glory, when his face is seen, the scripture says heaven and earth run and hide. They just split. They just melt in the glory of his presence. Old earth, old heaven, these are gone forever, and there's no more sea. Isn't that weird? Number three, no more sea. 
That's strange for us, but in the Jewish mind, it makes a lot of sense. Remember, the Jews were a people that had no real navy. They were not seafaring people. And all through the Old Testament and all along the history of the people of God, the sea was a place of terror. The sea was always a place of monsters and a place of storm, a place of chaos and rebellion. And the Jews often thought of the sea as as the place where evil and and, and monstrous and, and threatening things come from. You read through the book of Revelation, and it's out of the sea where the great beast rises. It's always the sea where evil and monsters come from. And this is John's way of just saying, there's no more sea. There's no more threat, no more monsters, nothing to harm, nothing to hurt, nothing any longer that is outside God's control. Everything, everything is made new. There is no more sea Verse 4, it's amazing. Four things here. Four things gone forever. I love it. There will be no more, say the words, death, no more sorrow, no more crying, no more pain. God will wipe away all the tears. Do you want God to wipe away all the tears? Because there really are some tears that I like. Have you ever laughed till you cried? I love that. I do that all the time. I love to laugh till I cry. I hope I can still do that. Sometimes I cry when I'm in the presence of something just so beautiful. I really am kind of a crybaby. Maybe in heaven I still will be. Crying is not always about sorrow. But the scripture says there will be no more tears of sorrow. No death, no pain, no crying. Wow. Mother was trying to teach her son... uh, John 3.16, over breakfast one day, four-year-old boy. She would just say, repeat these words after me, for God so loved the world. And he was eating Captain Crunch, and he'd say, for God so loved the world. And she kept saying it, and then he'd repeat it, that he gave his only begotten son, that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him, whosoever believes in him shall not perish, not perish, but have everlasting life. And all through breakfast, she kept repeating those words and having him say them back. It was the last time the cereal was gone, and so mom was getting him to say it one more time through the whole thing. For whosoever believeth in him, whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, shall not perish, but have, but have everlasting. The boy just looked at her. She said, shall have everlasting. She wanted the last word from him. Everlasting. Finally, he said, fun. Shall not perish, but have everlasting fun. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, something like that, yeah. What do you think he's got prepared for us? Something less than fun? Something less than joy? Are you really thinking that what God has for us is going to be less full, less beautiful, less wonderful than what he has for us down here? Do you really think that? No more death, no more sorrow, no more crying, no more pain. Jump down to verse 22. Y'all are going to like this one. And I saw no temple. No temple. Now, some of you right now, your mind just got blown because you've always thought that heaven was going to be kind of like an eternal church service. Kind of like going to church, only it never, ever ends. And that's one reason why you really haven't made up your mind to go yet. Because honestly, past 12, you're done. On any Sunday, really, an hour of this is about all you can take. And lots of times when preachers are preached, we make it sound like heaven is just a church service that never ends. We talk about how we're going to sing for eternity. And you're thinking, sing for eternity? Please no, not our choir. Please no. 
I love our choir, by the way. But you're just thinking, no, no, I can't do that. I don't know if I can do that. And then all the preachers of all eternity lining up to preach, and we just go at it. We're just going at it like we're killing snakes. And you're thinking, oh, please, no. No, that sounds like the other place. It's no wonder that some people get about as excited about heaven. It's, it's like they're chewing on Kleenex. They just can't even imagine going if it's going to be a church service that never, ever ends. But don't you understand? Scripture makes it plain. There's no temple there. We won't go to church there. Actually, it says the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. Don't you understand? We gather here several times a week to worship him because on this earth when we gather together, it's one of the richest ways we can experience his presence. But once we see him face to face, once we're living in his presence, all of life will be worship. And there will be no boredom. There will be nothing at all not to enjoy. It will be forever bliss, forever worship, not like going to church at all. No preaching, no teaching, nothing like it. Only direct face-to-face worship with him. Now, honestly, some of you haven't learned to worship him down here yet. You've never experienced his presence. You don't even know the joy of that. And I'm telling you, that until you really understand the joy of his presence down here, you can't begin to imagine what it will be like to be in his presence up there. No temple, no sun, no moon. The city has no need of them, for the glory of God illuminates the city and the Lamb is its light. You remember in the ancient world, they couldn't have imagined a city lit up at night. There were no lights like we know. We can see New York City or Chicago or Los Angeles at night, and it's just brilliant with light. But in the ancient world, when the sun went down, it was dark. And when it was dark, it was night, and the cities would close their gates because at night, that's when the danger would come. That's when the evildoers would come out, those who would attack your city, those who would steal from you. They came out at night because it was dark. But notice what the scripture says, no need for sun of moon because the glory of God illuminates the city and the lamb is its light. The nations will walk in its light and the kings of the world will enter the city in all their glory. Its gates will never be closed at the end of the day because there is no night there, no danger, no threat. All the nations will bring their glory and honor into the city. Nothing evil will be allowed to enter nor anyone who practices shameful idolatry and dishonesty, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. You notice that the gates never close there. It's an amazing, amazing promise of a place where people come and go. But you really need to understand that heaven will not be for everybody. Not everybody who's ever lived, not everybody who even goes to church, not everybody goes there. In our day and age, we've pretty much thrown away the the, the true biblical picture of what heaven is like, and we've substituted something of our own imaginations. And one of the myths, one of the lies that we tell is that heaven is a place where just everybody will go. You go to some funerals and you hear preachers preach and you wonder if, if, if there's a possibility that, that somebody might live and not go to heaven. And I'm telling you, there is. It happens all the time. Not everybody goes there. The fact that you're sitting here this morning hearing this sermon, it does not mean that this promise applies to you. Now, it can. 
At this moment, understand it is an offer offered out freely to the whole world. God does not want anyone to perish. God's whole desire is that he can enjoy fellowship with you and with every human soul. But God is a God of grace and love, and he will not force himself on you. He will not force himself on you. Scripture says he stands gently at the door of your heart, and he knocks, and he waits for you to open. The scripture makes plain that there will come a day when every single one of us will stand before him. Every person who's ever lived, every person who's ever breathed will stand before him. And on that day, we will all be sent to one place or another for eternity, either to heaven or to hell. And I know that makes some people very uncomfortable. My goodness, why would a God of love send people to hell? I'm telling you, God doesn't send anyone to hell. You make that decision for yourself. And you're making it now. You're making that decision now. God is not going to come and take control of your life unless you offer him that control. You have to surrender. You have to love him and know him. You have to choose him. And the choice that you're making right now, understand one day that choice is going to be set and that choice is going to be established for all of eternity. On that great judgment day, God is not so much going to judge you as God is simply going to pronounce the judgment that you've passed on yourself. You will decide where you spend eternity and God in his love and God in his grace is going to honor your freedom to choose. So those who one day are not in heaven will be all of those who chose not to be there and they made the choice in this life. Heaven is simply the place where God is. Heaven is when God comes down and makes his dwelling with us for all of eternity. Being with him, that is heaven. But if you don't want to be with him now in this life, he's not going to make you be with him in the life to come. He will honor your choice and your choosing now. You're choosing now. Why would you not choose to be with him? Why? Little boy lost his mother. His father was a young young husband who had lost his wife, and he was devastated with grief, but he had this boy that he needed now to be mom and dad both to, and he struggled. There were weeks and weeks there where there wasn't much in that house but sorrow and darkness. And finally the father realized he had to do something better for his son. They they had to live life. They had to go on. So the father decided to uh, plan a picnic, take his little boy on a picnic. And so he called him in one afternoon and said, son, let's go on a picnic tomorrow. The little boy said, what's that? Never been on a picnic. That's where we're going to take food. We're going to eat out on a blanket in the forest, a state park close to the house. We're going to go to the park. The big forest. We're going to go in the trees and we're going to eat lunch. Uh, we'll make sandwiches and chips and cakes and we'll just take all kinds of food and we'll eat outside and we'll play games all afternoon. We'll play frisbee and ball or whatever you want to play. So they spent all afternoon getting ready for the picnic. It was awesome. They prepared sandwiches and put them in baggies and chips and cakes and all kinds of food and drinks and packed them in the car. They got a blanket that they could spread out for the picnic. They put the Frisbee and all the boys' toys, everything in the car for the picnic the next day. And then they went in and got ready for bed. The little boy was busting, just busting. He'd never had anything like that, never been to a picnic, and he was so excited. So daddy tucked him in, put the boy in bed, and then dad went to bed. Dad went to sleep like this, but the little boy couldn't sleep. He was just busting for the picnic. 
Finally, dad kind of woke up because he heard the steps coming through the house. You know that sound, dad? Little boy coming through the house. He comes and stands right by the father's bed and says, daddy, I can't sleep. Father says, son, what's wrong? He said, I'm just so excited about tomorrow. I'm so excited about the picnic. I can't sleep. Dad says, son, we've got to sleep. Just go on back to bed. Sleep. And in the morning, we'll get in the car. We'll go. Little boy went back to bed, tried to lay there, tried to sleep. He was just bust, and he couldn't sleep. In a minute, Dad heard the steps coming back boop, 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 through the house. Little boy comes to stand beside his father's bed. The father says, son, what is it now? The little boy said, Daddy, I just want to say thank you for tomorrow. Isn't that awesome? Thank you for tomorrow. Wow, he hadn't even been yet. Hadn't even seen it yet. But he knew what was coming. Man, sometimes in the fog of this life, I just look around and I think, there's got to be more. Surely God created us for something more than this. I know the world can be beautiful and life can be good on good days, but it's not all good and it's all passing away. Do you understand? It's all passing away. None of this lasts. We weren't created just for life in this earth. I'm 45 years old. I'm middle-aged, they say, which means I guess I've got 45 more years to go if God blesses me. 90 years and then I die. But don't you understand? Middle-aged, that's absurd. I'm created for eternity. I'm going to live for eternity. And I love to think about the place that God has prepared for me. Bible says it created this heaven and this earth that's going to pass away. He created this in seven days, and that's amazing. But think, Jesus says, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go, I, I will come again and receive you unto myself so that where I am, there, there you may also be. And that's heaven. That's heaven. And Jesus said those words something like 2,000 years ago, which means he built, created this earth in seven days, and he's been creating that place for 2,000 years. Do you understand? This is living in a garbage can compared to what we're going to have there. Man, that day in, in the cold waters, uh, Catalina Bay, Florence Jadwick quit because she said, if I could just see the shore, but all she could see was fog, just the fog. So two months later, she went back. Two months later, she went back on another day to try again to swim 26 miles from Catalina Island to the shore of California. That particular day was a totally different day, but you won't believe it. The same fog set in. The same fog dropped on that water. And once more, Florence Chadwick could not see the boats. She could not see anything. She couldn't see California. But she swam, and she swam, and she swam, and she made it. They interviewed her again, this time after her victory, and they said, Florence, what made the difference this time? You had the same fog. You had the same water. She said this. She said, I made it this time because I kept in my mind an image of that shore. I kept in my mind picture the shore. Friend, I just want to tell you that in the fog of this life, you really need a, a vision. You need a picture of the shore, a picture of heaven. You need to understand where all of this leads and what God has for you. You need to have a picture of heaven. Pray with me. Oh, Jesus, 
Are you really going to wipe away all the tears? (laughs) Are you really going to wipe away every tear? And no more death or sorrow or crying or pain? Let there really be no more night, no sun, no moon? Oh, God, it's, it's beyond our ability to imagine. But, God, I pray that in the fog of this day, in the fog of our lives, I just pray, Lord, that somehow the beauty of what you have for us would break through. Oh, God, we sometimes live our lives as if this is all there is, as, as if the, the blessings of this life are the richest blessings that you have for us, Lord, but you have so much more, so much more. Oh, God, make us hungry for it. Make us desire nothing greater than to spend eternity with you, nothing greater than to to know the beauty and the glory of your presence. Oh, God, we know that a day comes when you will come and make your home with us, with all of us forever. It will be so good. Oh, Lord, in the meantime, make your home in our hearts. Let us learn to know you and love you by faith till the day comes when we will know you and love you face to face. Oh, Lord, we can't see your face yet, but we will see your face one day, and that will be heaven. Oh, God, that will be heaven. Lord Jesus, I pray for all of those in this house who do not know for sure that they have a home in heaven with you when they die. I pray, Lord, that they will not leave this place or not lay their head on their pillow tonight until they have settled the question of where they will spend eternity. God, teach us to know you and love you. Teach us to long for heaven. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.